Julia de Bruce is with us. She's actually in our Wellington studio. Kia ora, good evening, Julia. Kia ora, Karen. How are you? I'm good, thank you. As a linguist, it'll be interesting song-wise, um, you, you know, this, uh, the, the many expletives that are in songs these days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I was planning to potentially use an expletive tonight as an example, and my kids said to me, are you allowed to do that on the radio? And I wasn't even sure. Yes, but, um... <laughs> you are. There are certain expletives you can't use. Okay. Um, there's a list of them, actually. I could send it to you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> ones that are acceptable and ones that aren't. And also, there's a time zone, you know, where it's it's more acceptable. Oh, like when the kiwi goes to bed with mm. the little cat. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Well, there's a watershed. It's actually at half past eight. Half right. past eight, yes. Yeah. So. Well, we linguists feel quite, um, um, I would say, expansively about swear words. You know, we don't really, yeah, we don't think of them as bad or good, but rather as, the, as words that people use to achieve certain functions, which can sometimes be quite good. <laughs> yes, I agree. Although people get very, very offended, don't they, still? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's understandable with some words, some swear words, because of, we're talking about the history of the word woke, but just because of the history of the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, things that became, that used to be insults, for instance, and have now evolved over time. Words like, I guess, queer, for instance, to refer to like sexual, sexually diverse people, which originated as an insult um, while it's now been reclaimed. Um, then that's, you know, will remain offensive to some people. And I guess that's the case for some swear words, too, similarly. Right. And we're going to be talking, as I said, about the word woke tonight and um, the history of it, and I'll, in terms of offensive words, um, I no doubt we're going to talk about this, but where this word came from. Yeah, um, and there is a question about whether or not it's offensive at this point, but it certainly didn't start out that way. Um, it's an adjective that originally meant to be woken up to or alert to racial injustice. So it comes from the States, from African-American vernacular English right back in the 40s, um, and only started to become more widely used from um, the 2010s as part of the, the Black Lives Matter movement. So it has that very specific meaning, um, but what's happened is over time its meaning's changed so that now it's it's used very broadly by conservatives beyond this original meaning to refer to a wide range of moral stances taken by the left and usually um, in a disparaging kind of a way. And what made you focus on this particular word? Yeah, well, um, I was thinking about it. I mean, firstly, because I think I, I probably am quite woke myself. I've certainly been accused of it. Um, and it'd be a label that I would probably uh, attach to myself, I suppose. But it's striking to me that I, I don't really know what it means anymore at this point. Um, and I was thinking about this because I recently saw a, a series of tweets about this word and how it can now be applied to really just about anything. So this was a, I thought it was a quite funny series of tweets tweets that, that had different examples of news headlines from around the world. Um, and some of these were things like, when did strip clubs go woke? Um, <laughs> woke capitalism is a cultural cancer. Is wokeness responsible for US and European heat waves? Woke gardeners should stop virtue signalling and dig a pond. And my favourite one, Britain must follow America's example and cut back the woke blob. The woke um, blob. Yeah. What's the <laughs> so, blob? Well, indeed. Um, so I think that, you know, in this case, we're in a situation where woke can refer to pretty much anything, strip clubs, capitalism, heat waves, gardeners, and even blob. So it gets to the point where you can ask the question of what, what does it even really mean anymore? And from a linguistic perspective, what is going on here linguistically? 
come up with an answer? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's actually it's an example of a linguistic process that we call semantic bleaching, um, which refers to a meaning, a, 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 the loss or reduction of meaning in a word as a result of changes over time. Um, so this is something that um, was first described in the 19th century. Someone, um, a German linguist with this great name, Georg von der Garbelentz, um, talked about semantic bleaching as comparing it to the career of a public servant. So talking about a public servant who's hired, promoted, has his hours cut back and finally gets pensioned off completely. So he said that when new words get created from old, Fresh and new colours cover the bleached old ones and the word retires from public life. So there's this idea that a word has kind of reached the end of its use in terms of the specific meaning that it has and it kind of fades out um, to gain a whole range of other meanings, some of which involve loss of meaning, but also, you know, you could just interpret it as as change or broadening um, in meaning. Yes, I see. And um, can I just take you back to those headlines or those tweets that you gave gave us? When did strip clubs go woke? What what was the rest of that article? I I don't know. There was a series of about, it was just a selection. There was about maybe like 20 of of these things. Yes. Um, And half of, you know, it was just the headlines. So you really had to imagine what was going on. Um, And I think in the case of that one, there was a sub-headline was talking about, I think it was written by an author of a men's magazine in the 90s and who was complaining that I don't know what's going on in the strip clubs now, but maybe, you know, maybe they're referring to consent or maybe there's some kind of gender, gender equality moves going on on to protect the workers. I don't know. That's what I imagine. I see, you know, yeah. It's the sort of thing you might imagine. Oh. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, probably what there was woke activity occurring, um, but it's just that, yeah, um, it, when you think about all those different contexts of capitalism and gardening, one of them even referred to Putin as woke, you know, you're just kind of, it starts to get so expanded that yeah. it becomes more or less meaningless. I yeah. See. I see. So, so what are some other examples of semantic bleaching? Yeah, well, we have the across right through the language and um, some the, uh, some examples I think in terms of adjectives that are interesting are words like awesome terrible and wonderful oh, yes. um, you know they make they mean they mean things to us you know so it's not as vague in this case but originally they really did mean um, in, inducing awe or inspiring terror something that's full of wonder but over time people applied them to more and more you know objects when there wasn't really any kind of awe or terror or wonder involved. So in a sense, those those meanings are kind of being bleached out of those words, to use the term. Um, and so they lose the intensity of, of that original meaning. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what does, what, why wonderful? Why is, how has that been semantically well, bleached? Yeah, well, I guess that originally it did really mean, um, if you think of one, I mean, it's, that one's been bleached so much that I guess we really, it's hard to think about what the original meaning would have been. Um, but, you know, really quite, I guess quite marvellous and wondrous in those sort of ways where people are kind of like surprised and amazed by something and full of wonder but we, we'll say it about you know a peanut butter sandwich now won't we? I mean if you like depending on if you like peanut butter this yes. is a wonderful smoothie or what a wonderful um, you know It could Excel be full of wonder it could, yeah, it's, yeah it's subjective right? I'll yes. agree I mean it's also um, other examples of that uh, are verbs like love and hate um, so you know if I say for instance I love ever Avocados. I mean, I really do feel very strongly about avocados. So it's, you know, there's love involved in a sense, but it's only been since the 19th century that we would use that word to refer to like objects as opposed to people 
that we loved. Um, so that's another one that's been bleached in that regard. So where's the the word that you were worried about using? Is that coming up? Yeah, that's 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 shit, right? So if you think about um, the the nouns thing and shit, thing used to refer to a council or an assembly of some kind. That was its specific meaning, completely lost now. In the mists of time, it just refers to anything. Um, and in contemporary English, the same development is happening with the word shit, which did originally have the meaning of feces, but it's broadened now so that it becomes has become synonymous with thing. Um, so you can think of examples of people saying things like, don't touch my shit, or I've got a lot of shit to take care of this weekend, <laughs> um, or that's some awesome shit. You know, it can be used <laughs> across across such a wide range of meanings that, um, you know, it's still used in the original meaning too in that case, but the broadening is, you know, it's pretty extensive in that case. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, when a word's meaning becomes so vague that you, it's hard to really even attach a meaning to it anymore, um, we can say that this, you know, it's undergone bleaching. Um, but I think there's something different going on in the case of woke, and that's why I think it's particularly interesting, um, is that this this kind of expansion in meaning seems to not just be a, you know, the result of a kind of um, bit by bit language change as people exaggerate or just start to use words differently, but it does feel like it's um, more strategic, I think, in the case of woke. But what about adverbs, like literally? Um, yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, I think, I mean, this one annoys people, right? People are, um, are often quite irritated when people use literally, non-literally. <laughs> you know, um, it, it originally did mean, um, back in the 14th century, um, literally meant interpreting, interpreting words or meanings to the letter. But now people use literally just to add emphasis, and it really isn't intended to be taken literally at all. Can you like give, if you, give me an example? Yeah, yeah, thinking of like, um, you know, a teenager. Imagine a teenager who's like, oh my God, I saw him in the library and I literally died. Oh, um, right. You know, they're still alive and um, <laughs> they didn't. Um, or, you know, that, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so, and yeah, this this does tend to irritate the purists because, you know, or maybe just people's grandparents or whoever um, who say, no, you didn't literally do that, you know, or you don't need that word. Um, but actually in that case it what's happened is you know it has been bleached of this original specific meaning but it's taking on another meaning um, a grammatical meaning where really um, it you know it means really um, which um, which is similar apparently to really itself which we're very used to seeing used as an intensifier now um, but it originally did mean real and now is often just used as a synonym for very Yes. So, yeah, so these are kind of, sometimes words are bleached and then attain different kinds of grammatical functions, like in that case. Um, but, yeah, it happens right across the language um, to all of these different, yeah, all of these different areas. Another one I, I've been thinking about recently is um, boomer. You know, people use the term boomer. Um, originally, boomer referred to people born at a particular period of time, you know, a specific generational kind of age, people born from 1945 to 1960 or whatever whatever the range is and people vary. Um, But generally, I think it's often used these days as a synonym just for older people, um, well beyond that range. Not specifically within that range. Yeah, because, you know, the years pass and people are still being called boomers just to to index any kind of an idea of someone being old-fashioned or being older. 
Um, so to me, I think that's probably one that's undergoing bleaching at this point yeah, as well. Okay, boomer. I can yeah. see why that would be, though, because when you try to work out all these Gen Z and millennials, yeah. nobody really knows the exact dates from years from where to where, do they? Yeah, and it's kind of crazy, you know, because um, the whole idea of that, of naming particular generations, is the, is the sense that people have had a common experience from having gone through similar world events at the, you know, of the period that they were growing up and so on. But, you, I mean, there's billions and billions of people who are, who are millennials and they don't they don't share and you know to any great degree life experiences across all the different cultural backgrounds and social categories and so on so that's definitely I find that whole that whole area quite meaningless it um, is and it's, often yeah. often especially with boomer often uses as an insult yeah yeah but, it's a bit like woke in that regard I think isn't it um, yeah I was going to ask you Julia have you heard of um, the sensitivity readers for novels? Yeah, I you know what? Because I'm so woke, I've actually done it. Have you? I did it, I did it for my twin sister, not officially, but right. she's writing a book, and she was like, "Can you have a read through this and see if anything seems like it might be offensive to members of different minority groups?" Yeah. So I did it. Yeah, right, because it's it's not new, but it's relatively new. Yeah. Um, and I was just reading an article about Anthony Horowitz, and he had written in uh, his latest. I'm not sure if it's it's published yet, but. Um, He's, he'd written the word scalpel, mm. uh, and um, he was asked to change this passage in his, his uh, maybe it was his last book. Uh, it described a Native American character attacking someone with a scalpel, mm. and uh, the, the sensitivity reader apparently thought that the word scalpel um, was too... Uh, close to the you know, the historic practice of scalping an oh. enemy, and he was advised to replace the word with surgical instrument. Okay, wow, yeah, there's a loss of tone involved there. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I do. I, I think that there's always going to be extreme cases where you might think someone has gone a bit too far, but where that le- that line is is going to be different for different people. Because I do think there are types of words that we use. Um, where we could use an alternative word and we can um, remove some associations that are kind of um, unnecessary. Um, One example I was thinking of was someone um, today um, where I saw um, using the word pioneering, a pioneering example of da-da-da-da. And, you know, that's just directly related to um, the pioneers in the United States and colonisation and so on. You don't need to use it. You can say um, innovative or, or... um, you know, oh, right. um, so I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes it's okay. I think that in the example you give, um, you know, literary quality is lost. But yeah, well, he went, to, he went to great lengths to point out the origin of the words mm. that that um, scalpel came from Latin and um, scalping. Uh, came from something to do with the top of the head. Okay. So you know, he, he thought that this was. Being too sensitive, uh, yeah, and that I think that's a that's a challenge for uh, authors and writers because they can't say what they want to say. Yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah. Like I say, I think it really does depend on context. There are words that we wouldn't, wouldn't use now. Um, if you think about the other extreme, if someone's writing a book and they refer to somebody with um, an intellectual disability as, and I don't even want to say the word right, the R word. Yes, um, we. I think that. 
it would be good to recommend that an author doesn't use a slur against disabled children in a book when they're referring to a disabled kid. You know, like I think, I think you've got if your a whole wide range. If of, your character, what about if your character is uh, not a particularly nice person and would use that word? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's maybe different, but um, is yeah, it? but. The, would a sensitivity reader take that out? I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm not an expert in that, right. so I couldn't say. Um, but I think I think it's really, you know, certainly since I work in the area of language of minority rights, I think that um, it's absolutely the case that the language that we use to refer to certain groups is part of reproducing systems that um, that continue to, you know, promote the oppression of those groups. So if we can change our language in ways that doesn't negatively affect the text, then I'm, yeah, I'm all for it. Has that, has that happened in the past, do you think? Um, well, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of parallels. And again, I'm not an expert in the literary area here, but it links into all sorts of things like names of streets and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, do we do we want to name our streets after people who have played important roles in, in colonisation and so on? Or no, no, I, about... I don't mean like that. I mean in the past, let's say 100 years ago, where the language was looked at. We've only got a minute to go, unfortunately. But when, when language was looked at, and no, we won't use that word because it's not woke. Yeah, well, there's this kind of, I don't, yeah. Um, certainly there's been what's been referred to as a cycle of euphemisms when different kind of ministries, for instance, for disabled people in the United States, States have had to change their title from um, kind of more offensive terms to what is currently considered to be non-offensive and then negative associations get attached to that and then the word has to change again and so on. Mm. Um, so it's, it, that's happened across the board and I think that that really just reflects the fact that our attitudes are changing um, but that you know you might change a word to fit a more inclusive new attitude but because there's still work to be done then those same negative attitudes get attached to the new new word and then you just get in the cycle of continually having to create new words when really um, it's the underlying attitudes that are problematic. Oh well it's a fascinating subject Julia, thank you for bringing it up we think, sure. I don't use the word woke, I don't like it very much um, but yeah. Yeah, great to have that discussion about its origin, so thank you Sure, nice to talk to you yeah, You too, that's uh, Julia DeBress on the word woke uh, and various other uh, evolving language topics.